0: Daniel chapter seven. So as we're turning there, uh, just a, a kind of a um, summary of what we've talked to up until now. Daniel one through six is much of like just the history of Daniel being in Babylon, and Daniel's uh, though though he interprets Nebuchadnezzar's vision and dream and the handwriting on the wall. Much of it is just a historical um, historical sense of 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 Daniel's time in Babylon. And so in chapter 7, this shifts. And now this is going to be where Daniel is going to have visions and dreams. And then he's going to tell us the meaning of them, of things that haven't yet happened in Daniel's life. Now, a lot of what Daniel's going to, of his visions and dreams, are things we can look back on now and we can see in history like how those things happen with different world leaders and nations that have risen to power. But there's some of it that yet is is still futuristic, that we believe is still yet to come. Now, there are are different views of eschatology and end times that are, um, you know, there's uh, amongst Christians, Orthodox Christianity of people that believe the Bible and have that as their authority that have a little different um, view of eschatology of end times. And that's okay. Um, There's actually a view That says that a lot of these things, even like with the little horn, who is the antichrist that we're going to read about, that those things they believe have already happened. Um, But yet, um, I personally don't hold to that view. That's a possibility, especially because they have a, they make some really good arguments of even looking back in church history, that a lot of those things were fulfilled before 70 AD in the destruction of the temple. Um, You know, but another possibility is this, like... With prophecy, you see a lot of times there's something called like a near fulfillment and then a final fulfillment. So whereas some of the things that like, man, we look at like maybe some of these things happen to a certain extent. Um, but yet it seems like there's a greater fulfillment that's still yet to come. And the reason for that is because there's some of these things that's like we can't look back on and really see it being fulfilled yet in history. So some of this, and we'll talk about it, is futuristic, or we use the word eschatology. Basically, that's the study of end times. And you look at places like Daniel, places like Revelation that are talking about yet what is still to come. So that being said, Daniel chapter one, in the first year of Belshazzar, the king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. And he wrote the dream and he told the sum of the matter. So Daniel's now uh, referencing back to a time when Belshazzar, remember Belshazzar from chapter five, the Bible doesn't really tell us much about him because it's like, it's talking about Nebuchadnezzar up until the end of chapter four, and then it's like, man, who is this Belshazzar guy? Belshazzar was king. And remember, like the, he had this big drunken party, the handwriting on the wall. God says, man, your kingdom is done. The Medes and Persians are coming. They're invading you. Um, and, and now Daniel's reflecting back. Yeah, back when Belshazzar was king, I had this vision and this dream. And by the way, for years and years, people would use um, the fact that Belshazzar, when Daniel mentions Belshazzar as king... To kind of poke fun at the Bible. Like, ah, there's nowhere in history is there anything about this Belshazzar. Daniel's just straight making stuff up here. Like, if Daniel even existed, or whoever wrote this, they're just making stuff up. But then, in the late 1800s, they discovered something called the Nabonidus Cylinder in Babylon. Nabonidus was the father of Belshazzar, and and it, it made reference in this cylinder that they found... Um, it listed Belshazzar as king. Belshazzar was Nabonidus' son who he left in control and, and, and basically to take over the kingdom while he was out, while he was away. And so you find, just once again, you know, as archaeology and different findings, it confirms the Bible, doesn't contradict it. And so we have that in the case of Belshazzar. So Daniel has this vision, though, he has this dream. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, behold, four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea. So the great sea here, this is just reference. It's not necessarily talking about a, uh, like a body of water as much as it's talking about the earth, the whole earth. And Daniel has this vision that out of the earth, there's coming up four beasts from the sea and they're all diverse. They're all different from one another. And Daniel's going to be really troubled by this. So these beasts represent something. These beasts are symbols of world rulers and world powers. And Daniel says the first was like a lion and it had eagle's wings. So this is a picture of Nebuchadnezzar. This is a picture of Babylon. Remember in chapter two, Nebuchadnezzar's dream that he had of the great statue well, some of this correlates with that that vision and dream in chapter 2. So, the first is like this, this lion and it had uh, eagle's wings. So, uh, a lion, it's powerful. And in fact, in Babylon, they have ancient findings of they were obsessed with lions. The lion was kind of like their emblem or like their symbol. You know, like the United States, we have an eagle. Theirs would, would have been a lion. And... So Daniel said the first vision was this this lion that had eagle's wings. He says the wings were plucked, the wings were clipped. So this is a picture of, remember, Nebuchadnezzar rose to great power, but then God brought him down. God humbled him because of his arrogance. And it says that he was lifted up from the earth and made uh, to stand upon the feet as men, as a man. And a, a man's heart was given to it. So now the second beast, he says, is a beast was like to a bear and it was raised up on one side and it had three ribs in his mouth between its teeth. And they said, arise, devour much flesh. So the bear, this is a picture of the Medo-Persian empire. And remember, it's not as strong as Nebuchadnezzar, not as strong as Babylon, but God lets them win. God lets them invade. God gives them that victory. And, and it's lopsided uh, because when, um, when, they first came to the, when they first came to power, right, the, the the Medes were more powerful, but then eventually the Persians became more powerful than the Medes. And that's why in history we look back at the, 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 the Persians and that empire, how powerful that it was. The three ribs in its mouth is. Some speculation, but we think it might be the, when the Medo-Persians were rising to power, they conquered uh, three powerful nations. And so we think this bear is, or we know this bear, is referring to the Medo-Persian Empire. So he has this vision, right, this dream and the vision. The first is the lion. The first is, is Babylon. The second one is going to be the Medo-Persian Empire, and then behold another beast the second like to a bear sorry i already read that verse number 6 after this i beheld and lo another like a leopard which had upon it upon the back of it four wings of a fowl and the beast had also four heads and dominion was given to it so this is a creepy vision right i mean he's having these the a bear that's lopsided that has ribs in its mouth this this now this leopard that has four wings Like, this is creepy. And this is a picture of the Greek, the the Greek empire, the Greek, uh, Alexander the Great. The four, um, and and the leopard is very fast. The wings, this is speaking to how quickly Alexander the Great conquered the known world. Alexander the Great was in his 30s when he conquered, uh, when he conquered the known world. He was 33 years old. And this might be some myth and some legend, but it said that Alexander the Great, when he conquered the world, cried, sat down and cried because he had no nations left to conquer. Like he was just like, he was bored at 33. He already accomplished everything he could accomplish. And this speaks to how quickly that Alexander the Great conquered it. I won't spend a lot of time talking about Alexander the Great because next week in Daniel 8, Daniel, um, Daniel's going to talk about in depth about how Alexander the great rises to power, how his four generals is who he gave his kingdom to. And it goes in great depth in chapter eight, but Alexander the great rises to power. He gives his, when he dies, um, at a very young age, he dies and he gives his kingdom to his generals. Now the fourth beast in verse number seven it says, after this, I saw in the night visions and behold, a fourth beast. This beast was dreadful and terrible. This is a powerful beast. It was exceedingly strong and it had great iron teeth and it devoured and it broke, in pieces and it stamped the residue with his feet. And it was diverse from all of the other ones because this beast has 10 horns. And this is the beast that Daniel is super troubled by. He can't really make sense of this fourth beast. It's troubling to him. He's going to ask an an angelic being like the meaning of uh, this fourth beast and what this beast represents. He says, I considered the horns and behold, there came up among them another little horn. before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the root. So he has this vision of this fourth beast, this dreadful beast. And out of this beast is like 10 horns. This is, again, correlating, remember, in chapter 2, the statue, the, 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 the legs, the feet, and yet the, the 10 toes coming off of them. These are symbolic of different kings or kingdoms. But this one troubles Daniel because out of these 10 horns coming off this beast, there's a little horn. It starts out small, but it overtakes three other of the rulers. And this is, as we look in the book of Revelation, this little horn, this is the Antichrist. This is going to be the final world ruler. And this is yet to come. Now, again, there's there's a viewpoint that the Antichrist was uh, Nero and persecuting the church. And, and I just, I, I don't think that that's accurate. I don't think, I mean, there might be some correlation, but I think as what we're going to read here. There's really not anything we can look on history and say, This, you know, these ten kings, this this world power, this dominance, I don't think we've seen that yet. I truly believe that's futuristic and yet to come. But this is troubling to Daniel because this little horn overtakes three, and this and, and this little horn has this just supernatural power that is given power by Satan and demonic forces. It says in the horn, they were like the eyes of man. In a mouth, it's it's speaking great things. And as we're going to read a little later on, this like, and and it correlates with Revelation. This world ruler, the Antichrist, this little horn who comes on the scene is going to speak these pompous, great words and he's going to deceive people and unite people and then overtake other people. And it's a lot going on. We're just through verse 8, but can you? You understand why a lot of times people stop after Daniel six, man, because some of this gets a little bit complex and it gets in again, like some of it's clear. We know what it's talking about, like in history and yet other things it's like, man, it seems like it's futuristic, especially when you look at the book of revelation and you can connect them. Seems like the little horn, the antichrist, who's going to be a one world leader, going to unite the nations that this is still yet to come. So Daniel said, I uh, I beheld till the thrones were cast down. The ancient of days, this is God. The ancient of days did sit, whose garment was white as snow. The hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was like a fiery flame and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him. And 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. And judgment was set and the books were opened. And I beheld then, because of the voice of the great words, which the horn spake, I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body was destroyed and given to the burning flame. And concerning the rest of, his, of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away. Yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. So in this vision, Daniel's saying, yeah, this fourth beast is really troubling. And this little horn that rises to power, really, really powerful, like satanic, supernatural power. But even he has his day, and he's going to be cast down. So what you see here, this scene and this vision of God is on his throne. And these angelic beings that are just really at his service. And you see so much of, I think, what many times we ignore... It's the spiritual supernatural realm that is at work, that it's more than just us and God, that God has hosts of angelic beings that are serving him, that he's dispatching to, 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 to serve and to carry out his mission. But there's also Satan and demons that are at work. There's a spiritual battle that's taking place. There's an unseen realm that sometimes people can make too much of. And they think it's almost like they use the devil as an excuse for everything. But we would do well to not ignore a spiritual unseen realm in a battle that's taking place. Paul says in in Ephesians, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. The enemy isn't like other physical beings. Now, Satan uses them and influences them. But the battle is a deep-rooted spiritual battle. It's demonic in nature. The spirit of the Antichrist, the spirit of Babylon that is at work as we speak. And there's coming a day. It's going to really come uh, to a head with Satan is going to empower this Antichrist to rise to power, to deceive people, to be a mighty world ruler. So what Daniel's talking about, you can see why he's troubled by this. But he says this, I saw in the night visions, behold, one like the son of man came with the clouds of heaven. This is speaking of Christ. This is speaking of Christ that he's coming in the clouds. Now, this is similar to remember uh, when Jesus was standing uh, before the high priest, when they were bringing him in and questioning him and, and they were going to crucify him when Jesus, he's actually quotes from Daniel. He says this this being, this divine person, the son of man, this is God, the son is coming in the clouds. And when Jesus spoke, that, remember the high priest lost it, that this is blasphemy because Jesus was making a clear claim to be God. But Daniel has this vision, the son of man, that Christ is coming in the clouds. And and he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion, glory, and a kingdom. So why? That all people, nations, languages should serve him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, which shall not be destroyed. So here it is. These visions of these world rulers, they rise and they fall. And this fourth one's troubling. This fourth one we think is the Roman empire in those 10 horns coming out. What we think is a, some kind of a reviving of the Roman empire at the end of time, the antichrist is going to come to power. He's going to overtake three of these rulers and he's going to, And he's going to be powerful. He's going to unite people. He's going to speak these great pompous uh, uh, deceiving words. And he's going to unite people. He's going to overtake others. And he's going to have this supernatural demonic power. And Daniel's troubled by this. But Daniel says it doesn't end there. That as powerful as the little horn. As powerful as the Antichrist is going to be. As powerful as his dominion and reign will be. It's going to be short-lived. Until the Ancient of Days, until God in heaven, who rules and reigns over all, whose throne is above every throne, that He is ruling. And He says, The Son of Man, that Christ is going to come in the clouds. And His dominion, Christ's, will never end. It's going to be an everlasting dominion, which will never pass away. Verse 15 is that Daniel says, I was grieved in my spirit, in the midst of my body, the visions of my head, Troubled me. And I came near to one one of them. This is an angelic being. That Daniel now is approaching in this vision. And he's asking the meaning of it. He said these great beasts. Which are four. The four kings which will arise out of the earth. But. The saints of the most high. Shall take the kingdom. And possess the kingdom. Forever. Even forever and ever. So he's saying look. There is a kingdom coming. That's never going to end all of these world kingdoms will come to an end. They'll have their day. They'll have their power. They'll have their moment, but they're going to end. But the kingdom, the eternal kingdom, it's going to be given to the saints of the most high. Who are the saints? Believers, all believers in the past believers right now that we are going to rule and reign with Christ for all of eternity. Listen, I know this life can sometimes seem long. I know this life can seem hard at times. And it can seem like, man, it just is never ending the pressure and the pain and the attack of Satan and the demonic influence in this world. But that power will only be short lived. That for those who know Christ and follow Christ, we will reign with him forever. There is a a kingdom that's yet to come. Now, it's, it's here in the sense Christ is victorious. The kingdom is here. But when Christ returns, he's going to put that exclamation point on the fact that he is victorious. That day is coming. The kingdom is going to be given to the saints. But verse 19, he says, then I would know the truth of the fourth beast. It was different. It was diverse from all the others. Exceeding dreadful. Whose teeth were of iron, his nails of brass, which devoured and break in pieces, they stamped the residue with his feet. And of the ten horns that were in his head, of the other which came up, and before there were three that fell. The the, the little horns gonna overtake three of those kings. Even that horn had eyes and a mouth that spake very great things whose look was more stout than his fellows. Oh, this horn is different. It's going to raise to a greater power than all the rest. And I beheld the same horn made war with the saints. We see this in Revelation. In Revelation 19, this antichrist that Satan's going to empower, that God is going to allow to rise up to power for a season, is going to make war with the saints. And we read, and it seems like he's going to prevail. It seems like he's dominating. It seems like he has conquered. Until, until verse 22, the ancient of days came and judgment was given to the saints of the most high. And the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus he said, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth. And it's going to be diverse from all kingdoms. And it's going to devour the whole earth. That's why we believe that the the, the Antichrist, when he rises to power, is going to bring in a one-world order, a one-world dominance. Now, we want to be cautious not to try to interpret the Bible from the front page of, of the paper. However, that being said, like I think it's wise to prepare. It's wise to see what's going on. And you can't help but think. I mean, you can't help but think, like, when you look and see some of the stuff that's taking place, like, wow, this very well could be setting the stage for this one world order for the Antichrist stepping on the scene. It's quite possible. We don't know when that time's gonna be. I mean, Christ's return could be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years away. We don't know when he's gonna return, but we can look and we can. See and and live prepared, not with an escapist mentality, but with a mentality that we can be bold in the face of whatever comes. Because Christ is coming. He's going to devour the saints. He's going to devour. says he's going to, verse 25, he's going to speak great words against the Most High. And he's going to wear out the saints. It, It seems like he's winning. It seems like... He's prospering. It seems like he's overtaking believers and the saints. And we look at this, though I believe this is a literal event that will happen. I think we also can see just the spirit of Babylon, the spirit of the antichrist that can be overwhelming. And it just seems like as Christians, like we're constantly bombarded with the spirit of Babylon, constantly bombarded with the spirit of the Antichrist, that everything that is true and godly, Satan is is counterfeiting. And Satan is constantly bombarding us as believers. But yet their day will come to an end. Verse 26, but the judgment shall sit. This is God's this is God's reign and rule in heaven, the angelic beings that are at his disposal that serve him. He says this judgment's going to sit and they're going to take away his dominion and they're going to consume it and destroy it. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given who? To the people of the saints of the most high, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And all dominions shall serve and obey him. Here's the good news. As powerful as this little horn. The Antichrist is going to be. As powerful as even that spirit of Babylon. And spirit of Antichrist. Seems like it is in the world. That in the end. They will fail. In the end. There is this divine judgment. That's going to take place. And the kingdom. Of this earth is does not belong to Satan. In the end, Satan rules no one. And Satan rules nowhere. That Christ rules and reigns over all. Maybe you've heard people maybe almost in mockery of Christianity that would reject it and say, well, I'm just going to be with Satan and my buddies in hell one day and do my thing in hell. Satan does not rule anywhere. Satan does not rule anyone. That Christ rules and reigns over all. And at the end of time, when Christ returns, the Son of Man comes in the clouds. He is going to set up a kingdom that will never end. Now, it's important to know that Christ rules and he reigns now. One of the, one of the um, I, I guess, weaker points that people try to put out over like the futuristic view... ...that those that would hold to, like, hey, these things are yet to come... Is, ...can almost be like, well, see, you guys don't believe that Christ rules and reigns right now. But that couldn't be any further from the truth. Christ is victorious now. Anything that happens is what God allows it to happen. He's going to allow, allow the spirit of Babylon and allow, I believe, even the Antichrist to come... ...and unite this one world order and allow those things to happen... Because it's like Proverbs where it talks about, and Peter I think also where it talks about, sometimes God lets the ungodly be built up so we can cut them down. Anything that happens, God rules and reigns right now over it. God is in control over it. And when he returns, that he's going to put that final exclamation point on his victory on the cross and, and, and his resurrection that Christ rules now and he's coming again. And we, his saints, we're going to rule with him. That look, this life right here and now is not it. There's another day that's coming. And here's the thing for Christians, things might not get better. It might get worse. It might get worse. It might be that we go through a lot of difficult days. They might lie ahead for us. As we were traveling in in Egypt and and as we even get reports of missionaries from all over the world, like Christianity isn't just favorable in a lot of places. There's a lot of places around the world right now where it costs people dearly to be a believer and a follower of Christ. And like, look, though I'm thankful for the country in which we live and the freedoms that we have, the freedoms that we enjoy, like, and, and I hope that we continue to have those, but... There's not a guarantee, guys, that we're always going to have that. There's not a guarantee that, that, that there's not going to be difficult days. And I think for those of you that know and love the Lord, for those of us that want to follow Christ, we see like it's getting more and more difficult. And it could get a lot more difficult. But no matter how bad it gets, here's the thing. This is the worst it's ever going to get for a believer. This life is the worst it's ever going to be. Because we know that this isn't the end. Daniel says in this vision that's troubling when he, when he was given the interpretation of this dream that the, the saints of the most high are going to rule. That God is going to have ultimate and perfect judgment and that he rules and reigns. It might seem like the Antichrist is rising to power and, and that he's winning and he's going to make war with the saints. He's going to prevail until, until the ancient of days comes. Until the judgments given to the saints. Until the son of man Christ comes again. And in the end we know this. That God's kingdom will never end. So let's live for the kingdom that will never end. Everything here in this life that we have. Nothing wrong with enjoying it. Nothing wrong with using it. But let's make sure we're, we're using it for God's kingdom. Let's make sure that we're using it and, and, and we're, we're, we have a, a, a proper view of this life and the things in this world. They're not going to last. There's a kingdom that's yet to come. A kingdom that will never end, that will never fade away. And yes, Christ rules and reigns right now. But he's coming physically. He's going to return. And we as believers, his saints... We're going to rule and reign with him forever. And here's what the beautiful thing is. Like you know how I mentioned there's like a few different views of, of end times and eschatology that all fall within Orthodox Christianity. Like here's the great thing though, all of those Orthodox Christian views of eschatology agree on this. Christ is physically going to come. And we as saints will be with Him and rule and reign with Him. For all of eternity, amen. And this is glorious. Yes, this chapter can seem a little bit troubling. It could seem a little bit confusing. But what we see is all of these world powers, they all have one thing in common. None of them expect that they're going to come to an end. But they all will. They all will. Except for God's kingdom. That God's kingdom will last forever. So we as believers need to be living for that kingdom. We as believers can be involved in in our communities and be involved in politics, absolutely. But just don't put all of your hope in what happens here, right? Because you're probably going to be disappointed. You're probably going to be disappointed, right? As, as As a Christian, as American, thank God for the freedoms you have. Please go and vote and be involved in all of those things. But you know what my fear is that like, Every election cycle, what happens? We're disappointed in like some way or another. Even if if the person we want to get in gets in, a lot of times we still end up disappointed. A lot of times we still end up, man, they didn't do what they said they were going to do. But here's the thing. Like there's a kingdom that's yet to come. Where Christ rules and he reigns and we as his saints will rule and reign with him. Let's be living for that kingdom. Maybe you're here today, and honestly, life is a mess right now. Life is really difficult, and it's really hard right now. Maybe for you, things are okay. Like, life's just smooth, and you feel okay. You feel that, you know, like, that it, you're getting by. Fine, but you know what? Man, that can change in a moment. And maybe there's going to be difficult days. No matter how difficult the days might be, we know this. This life is short. And this life isn't the end. We as believers are going to be part of the kingdom of God. We are part of the kingdom of God. And we're going to be part of a kingdom that will never end. So we can have courage. We can have confidence. Not in what's going on around us. Not in these kingdoms that rise from the earth. But in the kingdom that's coming down. Amen. That's how we can live. And that's how we should live. Let's pray.